Thanks so much for listening into the Saints Hill Church podcast. Our vision is to see heaven come to earth. And we do this by equipping the saints to know who they are in Christ, to walk in freedom through the truth, and to make disciples who change the world. We hope this message draws you further into relationship with our Father. And if you would like to give to the mission of Saints Hill, please visit our website at saintshill.church. And thank you. Your generosity helps to keep Saints Hill going. Now, on to the message. In you I find my joy. Thanks, Alex. Thank you all. Um, man, I, I am excited to just dive in and kind of share what the Lord has been putting on my heart. I actually wasn't supposed to teach tonight. I was supposed to teach in a couple weeks, and um, I had another, like, whole thing that I, I was going to teach on, and found out on Wednesday in, in just a quick turnaround, and I really, really genuinely think that even after tonight and after worship and just the time of ministry, that there's something new that the Lord wants to do tonight. Um, yeah, so I'm just excited. Also, I love seeing y'all's faces because I really love our church and our family, and I was like, I can't wait to talk to them, like, corporately. Um, so yeah, I love you all. I want to say thank you to our leadership team and just, like, what you guys have poured into me um, over the last three years and just sitting under the care of, like, Saints Hill and just hearing and meeting the Lord in so many ways that, um, yeah, I just didn't even know it was possible, and so... Thank you guys for just being agents of transformation in my life and, yeah, giving, giving me this mic. <laughs> um, great. So last week we got to hear from the awesome Brianna and Austin. You guys just like, whoa, brought the gospel. I love the gospel so much and they, they killed it. They talked about how um, we can allow the gospel of Jesus to permeate our lives to the degree of doing relationships differently. It was so good. Um, weeks before that, we were challenged with the question of, do you love God for God or what he gives you? Um, and then also a challenge of where you are investing. Are you investing in the kingdom or in the world and by the world's standards? And so today I think the Lord's kind of going to continue a few things um, that I think the Holy Spirit has been like weaving through. Um, so before we get started, I'm gonna hand the reins over to him so that I don't say anything too wacky. Um, so yeah, if you wanna pray with me, uh, we'll get started. So Jesus, I just thank you for what you've already been doing here tonight. God, it feels like family. It is family. Father, this is just your living room. And so you have the seat at the table. God, our eyes are fixed on you. Father, would you speak to us through your word? Jesus, would you remind us again who we are in your kingdom? Jesus, that our standard is you, Lord, and you've already met that for us. And so I just declare freedom tonight, Lord, as we encounter you um, just through story and through just what you've already done. Holy Spirit, open our eyes and stir in our hearts, God. Would you just light us up with joy and expectation for who you are? We love you, God. Amen. Amen. All right, so open up your Bibles to John 21. Um, we're going to be here all night uh, in John 21, not in this place. But unless you want to stay, maybe not. No, that's not. I don't think we can do that. Um, okay, and so as you do, I have a story. So this last week, I was house-sitting and, more importantly, dog-sitting in Beaverton. And... Um, one of the nights, I woke up in the middle of the night to a doorbell being rung. 
was in a completely different house, different town. Beaverton's pretty wacky, I hear, on an Auburg. Just kidding. Um, but yeah, so I was pretty freaked out because it was middle of the night. And so I go downstairs and I'm like, I wonder what this could be. Um, and I hear this voice saying, your dog is keeping the entire neighborhood up. And I was like, oh my gosh. And so I open the door and it's a neighbor. And he's like, I think you left the dog outside. It's barking and whining and the whole neighborhood can hear it. And my stomach just like dropped, like just so much remorse, so much like shame. Like I had one job, it was to make sure these dogs were okay. <laughs> and so I just said like, thank you, I was half asleep. Um, yeah, and I went and I, I brought the dog back in. It was also 12.30 a.m. And so I, I just felt so bad, so much remorse. And then at the same time, I was working at a camp locally and um, like in Beaverton, it worked out really good. Thank you, Lord, for logistics that I don't have to plan. And um, all week, it was this new group of people. It was kind of like a, um, I wasn't used to what was happening. And I started to keep track of like mistakes I was making. Like I left my clipboard. Um, I almost lost a child. I didn't almost lose a child. He like just went and sat alone and a parent was like, that child's not with you. Um, <laughs> I'm laughing now, praise God, but it was scary at the time. Um, and uh, I wasn't treating the people I was working with very well just all week. And I remember kind of like keeping tally of that. And at the end of this camp, um, a conversation had started uh, with the people I was working with and it was about Jesus. I was like, whoa. Um, and I listened and they were from out of town uh, and they were talking about a girl who was trying to tell one of them about Jesus and um, said that it sounded like she was telling him about Cheez-Its. And the conversation was not one that was like honoring to the Lord. It was one that was kind of like, who is this weird person trying to tell me about Jesus? And she's saying Cheez-Its and um, just kind of like this conversation that like probably some of you guys have been around where it's like they're talking about my king in a way that hurts, like in a way that you know, just like grieves you. Um, and I said nothing. And I was driving home afterwards and I was like, Lord, what? Like, why did I feel so paralyzed? Like what had caused me to hold back and to shrink back in that moment? Um, and he brought back to mind just all of those days of keeping track of how I was doing just as a human and how well I was loving these people or not loving these people in my own eyes and how I thought that was. Um, and he brought the word self-deprecating <laughs> to mind. And um, I, if you don't know what self-deprecating is, it's belittling or undervaluing oneself or being excessively modest. Um, and this is something that I think tonight uh, the Holy Spirit is going to get out of his people. Something where if you've thought that you're calling, and I love that there's a word for calling and purpose and all that. If you think that that's dependent on how you act, how you live, what you bring to the table, your giftings, you're so wrong. Like your calling is from the Lord and we don't need to prove ourselves in order to prove him. He's already proven himself. Um, and so we're gonna read about that with Peter in the story. Um, so John 21, and uh, I'm gonna read the whole thing. So we'll, we'll take it in doses, though, but it's fun. Don't worry. It'll be great. Um, okay, so starting in verse 1. All right, afterward. Oh, I'm sorry. I lied. Go back up. Um, 
a couple of verses before this is just like pure gospel. And so I just want to read that first. So Jesus, in verse 30, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So this, uh, this next part, context, obviously Jesus has resurrected and is, um, he's alive, which is wild. I don't think I was ever taught when I was younger that after Jesus came back to life, he lingered. He like stuck around. And I was just like, that's wild, guys. Like he didn't just like ascend right away. He, he stayed and he did stuff that isn't even in here. And so I was just moved by that. Um, okay, so afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. There's a, a ton of them. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is John, side note, said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat, dragged the net ashore, and it was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. How good does breakfast with Jesus sound? Is that going to be like a new ministry? Young adults, is that your next event? I'll be there. Um, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Okay, so a couple things to note. Like I've already said, um, Jesus had already been appearing to the disciples before, but two things I kind of want to hone in on in regard to Peter. So this event is after Peter denies knowing Jesus three times, um, which I'm sure that story is probably fresh for a lot of you guys. Um, I think it's, it's kind of a, a well-known one, but they were also returning to their old work, the way of life that they had known before meeting Jesus. Um, and then actually third point is that this miracle is Jesus repeating himself, which is kind of fun because sometimes we can hear things over and over again, like... We can go back to verses and like, oh yeah, I've learned that and stuff. Um, but there are, are new things that God wants to show us by repeating himself sometimes. Like there's such power in memory and like remembering things. And the scriptures actually say that like the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to remember things. Um, and so it, it was wild to me that um, A, after like seeing Jesus three times, the disciples did not immediately recognize that that was the Lord after their miracle 
What does that show you? That they have short-term memory right now. <laughs> that they don't remember the first time that he showed up and actually called them. Um, and so for Peter, where he's at, like, in life is he denied Jesus a few times. And we're just going to kind of look through a few slides about um, just, like, some of Jesus, or Peter's finer moments. So this is in Matthew 16, 21. Um, and this is when Peter was essentially saying, um, don't go to the cross, Jesus. Don't get crucified, which in the grand scheme of, like, our lives in the gospel, probably not good advice. And <laughs> so uh, Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. That's actually important. Um, I also found a photo of Peter and Jesus in this conversation. <laughs> this is my one joke that I put in this whole thing. But look at Peter's face. I'm just kidding. That's, that's not a real photo. They're obviously Caucasian men, and, and Peter and Jesus were Jewish. Um, but yeah, okay, so next slide. So another one of Peter's fine moments. And these, um, like, one of the points is that this could have been playing over Peter's mind in his, all of his decision-making. But, okay, Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand and this is a, sorry, context. Jesus is about to wash the disciples' feet. And Peter says, never shall you wash my feet. Peter told him, and Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And then Lord Simon Peter replied, not only my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Plug for baptism, just kidding. Um, yeah, so right here, like a theme, if you recognize, Peter is, is, has a whole other idea of an agenda of the kingdom of God. He, he's thinking in, in one direction, and Jesus, ever so patient and ever so perfect, is not super gently, but correcting him. Um, and then finally, John 18. Yes. So this is right after they take Jesus, and this is the same passage that Peter actually disowns Jesus and claims that he doesn't know him. Um, so it says, then Simon Peter drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Um, Put your sword back in its sheath, Jesus said to Peter. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Peter had quite the track record of getting things wrong, of acting too quickly, misunderstanding what Jesus was trying to accomplish. So why did they go back to fishing? Why did they return to fishing? Uh, it's actually kind of funny. There's lots of different thoughts around this about why they did. Um, at best, it shows that Peter and the other disciples were uncertain as to what they should do next. Um, Next slide. Oh, here we go. <laughs> the fishing expedition plainly reveals the uncertainty of the disciples in uncertainty, which contrasts sharply with their assured sense of purpose from the day of Pentecost on. And so Jesus comes, the crucifixion happens, the resurrection happens. They've seen him three times and um, they don't know what to do because I think that their idea of the kingdom might have been different than what Jesus was actually ushering in. And so they go back to their old ways. They go back to their life before. Um, and I was just struck by this because I, I've seen revival happen here, and it is continuing. I think I've seen more people in the last two years um, in my life following Jesus come to know the Lord. Like they said that baptisms are wild here, and 
I have never seen so many people just like transformed and like receiving Jesus like here, like prayers for so many years. Um, and so that to me is revival. And then stories of healing, stories of redemption, of families coming back together, just so many things that we've seen that are, that are miraculous, really. Um, and so for the disciples, they saw the greatest miracle probably of all time and then multiple, and then they go back to, fish, they go back to their old way of life. Why is that? See, in my perspective of what Peter was doing, the work of Jesus was finished and he thought he was no longer needed. He thought that that was the end of the story, that, um, yeah, that his grit and his um, quick to action, all the things that he was doing, constantly messing up, basically, he was like, oh, I guess I maybe I'm not needed. So next important thing to set the stage is, like I said before, Jesus repeated a miracle. Um, so when Peter was called by Jesus in Luke 5, um, Jesus performs a miracle. He tells them to pull up their nets, and uh, Peter's response is, get away from me, Lord, because I'm a sinful man. So there's this, there's this moment where Peter recognizes Jesus as the Messiah before he's chosen to, call, to follow him, and his response is fear. He sees the glory of God, and he's like, oh, no, I'm not good, I'm not good enough for this. Like, I'm sinful. You can't be around me. You're the Messiah. And Jesus' response to him is, do not be afraid. From now on, you will fish for men. And so when, when some people are saying that, another thought is that they went back to fish because they're being practical or logical or like going back to their ways of making money and stuff. And then you go back in the scriptures and then it says, from now on, you will fish for men. There was never a plan for them to go back to being fishermen of fish. Fishermen? Yes. Um, and so that just struck me of like, sometimes when we see the glory of God, um, sometimes when we see him moving, it's kind of like, whoa, like, am I, do I really want to jump into this? Maybe I should go back to safety of just what I know. And I think tonight the Lord is going to break that off of us, that, um, that where we're going, he knows. And Ecclesiastes 7, 8 says the end of the matter is far better than the beginning and patience is better than pride. And I see pride all over Peter's like actions. I see it because I've had that in me. And um, now he's being called to be patient and waiting on the Lord. Um, isn't it a spectacular similarity of how Peter uh, was reinstated to his, um, after he denies three times, Jesus is going to uh, reinstate him. So let's look down again. Um, in verse 15, and it says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Get this, Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when, you're old, when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. 
Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to, to him, follow me. Um, next slide, real quick, Evan. Let's see where we're at. Okay. So, can anybody tell me where this is? Lake Tahoe. Ding, ding, ding. This, that other place sounds great. I would love to try it um, or to go there. Um, yeah, so kind of rewinding a little bit. When, Jesus, when Peter jumps into the water, um, I don't know if he knows where he's going, but I know that he knows that he sees Jesus and wants to, he's not going to miss a moment meeting with Jesus. Um, and another thing to know is that John is actually the one who recognized Jesus. Peter didn't recognize Jesus. Peter jumped in the water because John pointed it out. Um, and just, so just for a side note, something that in, in prepping for this, I think that there are people here that we have in our family that recognize Jesus when some of us are like consumed in, in, in different things and to actually like call him out to remind us of miracles so that we can dive in and go in that direction is, um, yeah, just something I see in this house and a lot of my friends, you've, you guys have done that for me. You've pointed out where Jesus is um, in ways that has caused me to jump into the water after him. Um, so some of uh, the people in my life recently realized that I uh, am pretty water averse. Water's pretty scary to me. Um, I grew up in Colorado, which is the high desert mountain country. Not a lot of water. Um, and so I learned to dive actually the summer before I moved here to Newburgh. And I was living in Lake Tahoe with one of my friends, Shelby. And um, we were learning together and we would come to the waterfront and Lake Tahoe is the coldest. And I think the clearest, maybe there's a, a lake in Montana. I didn't research that. Um, but it's the coldest and clearest water like for miles and miles. Um, and so we would show up after our jobs and we were both kind of in these seasons of learning to die to ourselves. And Shelby was, was dealing with some health issues um, that were very mysterious. Um, were, there was a misdiagnosis of autoimmune. Um, she was fainting, like nobody could figure out what was wrong with her, but the, the, the thing was is that she would just lose energy. Um, and she had this stronghold in her life where she thought that she had to be um, kind of independent and so her parents don't have to worry about her, all of this stuff. And so she took a lot of pride in like how she could um, just uh, power through things. And this was something, this was the first thing that she hit that she couldn't power through. Um, and I was going through kind of some similar things of um, not really seeing a clear direction of where to go in the future and kind of dying to the pride I had in having things in a row, like having my ducks in a row. Um, and so we would meet at this dock and I was working as like a barista running this coffee shop and she was doing a desk job and she hates desk jobs. Um, and we would just meet at the water and we would dive in and we would be learning to dive. And before jumping, I just remember like this really crazy, um, oh my gosh, if you do it, then you can't undo it. Like if you, if you jump, you're not coming back. And I, sometimes I would stand for like five minutes before going in the water. And every time we did it though, it was like, it felt like something was just washing over us. It felt like, um, honestly, I, I, she came up when I was prepping. And so I asked her if I could share this and stuff. And um, I was like, do you remember those moments? And she's like, yeah, it reminded me of baptism. Like it felt like ba baptism of coming into the water and just like things of the day being washed, things that you thought were holding you back, just being like washed off. Um, 
And so we would like leave the water just feeling refreshed for the next day. Um, and this is something that as Peter dived in, I don't know if he knew what he was doing, but I knew that he was going after the Lord for that same refreshment where it's like no matter where he came from, no matter what he had been storing up as lies to keep him away. Because how many of you know that um, shame causes us to recoil from people, causes us to recoil from God? And so that's actually, that's actually what we need to kill is like anything that makes you believe that you're not worthy of coming before the Lord, that you're not worthy of um, meeting with him and stuff because he paid for that. That's dead and gone. The snake's head is being crushed, so it has been crushed. Um, so as he dives in and as we just read, Jesus asks him, do you love me? And this is crazy because uh, why didn't Jesus ask him something like, Peter, do you believe in me? Like that was kind of a consistent thing through the scriptures. Or Peter, do you trust me? Because it seemed like he didn't. Or Peter, do you, do you know me? No, it was Peter, do you love me? And it wasn't even like, Peter, do you know that I love you? It was Peter, do you love me? And he did it three times, the same amount of times that Peter disowned him. And on the third time, Peter was hurt. And that just... Um, it's just so funny because how many, like I've seen God speak something that hurts in a moment. You think it hurts, you think that it's harsh, but really it's pruning something, it's pulling something out. When he um, goes into those places that you don't want him to go into, it hurts for a little bit. And then he speaks life and identity over it. He was doing something in Peter's life that Peter didn't even have understanding for. So shame loves to lie us into hiding. That's why staying in your identity in Christ, that you're fully righteous and holy, is a miraculous reality. You don't need to hide any longer, even after your mistakes. Mistakes no longer define who you are. They're the areas Christ gets to speak identity over you again. Any shortcoming is a place where his power is made perfect because of a weakness. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10 says this. Uh, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When we stop operating from our own strength, Christ moves in power. This is how Paul heard from the Lord and processed his mission. This, is, this passage, you don't have to put it up, Evan, um, is, this is, is, is Paul telling a church what God has told him. He is feeding a church. He's feeding a people with something that God has, has fed him with. He says that God told him, my, my grace is sufficient for you. Um, and so I would encourage you guys as, as, as Jesus is telling Peter to feed his sheep and is reinstating his love for him, it's because Peter had a weakness that he is now allowing Jesus to speak over, that it's not about Peter's ability to love in a way that is based on any of his strength, but it's about basically just like loving the Lord and um, believing that over his life and reinstating that so he can move in power. Um, Okay, I want to uh, go back to breakfast with Jesus and kind of on the same lines of um, feeding people with what the Lord has fed you. Um, I, for the first time, noticed that uh, the language Jesus is using 
he's also doing. So he's hosting the disciples. He's feeding them with bread and fish that he provided, by the way. And he's telling Peter, feed um, feed my sheep, which is basically go and pasture my people. And Peter was specifically called to the Jews first, and um, that was the flock of God. Um, and I was just struck with th- that Jesus was doing the action that Peter was going to do to his people. Um, and I also, this weird, crazy thought happened where um, Alex Mosher actually told me that she felt like in this next season, um, she was going to see a lot of people um, just coming to know the Lord through art. And um, I've seen that in this place too, where there's so many people who are just revealing the Lord in a really cool way through art and different things. And so I actually texted my friend, Mary Grace, and asked if she would write a poem kind of describing uh, this breakfast with Jesus. And I think it, it was just so like full of the Holy Spirit in a beautiful way, and um, I'm just going to read that, Uh, and it's titled The Lord's Breakfast. So grieving, guilty, catchless night, stripped for work, stripped of light, rooster's crow taunting mocks me. I do not know him, shame's delight. Just as dawn is breaking darkness, kindred whisper pierces silence, children put out for a catch. It's love whose voice I can't forget. Spot the stranger on the shore. Dare I hope, my friend, my Lord. One glance at John confirms suspicion. Repentance garment, my contrition. Throw myself into the sea. Sacred waters, smooth, rough, edges sweet. Release what I've been holding tightly, what tightly has held on to me. Although there were so many fish, the net was never torn. Although there were so many sins, the darkness never won. Oh, divine mercy, to meet you every morn. Reclining, we recount the tales, trekking miles, miracles. Dip bread in brotherly affection, absorbing warmth of resurrection. Bathe me clean in buoyant brightness, resuscitate what once was lifeless. Three times over, shackles cease, no rebukes, commissioning. Yes, Lord, yes, I yield to thee. Follow me, gently hits, softly grips me. All is calm, all is light, all is peace personified. And we go back for seconds. So good, so beautiful. John and Peter's exchange is the next thing that caught my eye for tonight. And right after Peter, right after Peter is reinstated by the Lord and recommissioned, his next thing is, what about John? What's going to happen to John? And it just struck me because um, I think that we have a corporate call to make disciples of all nations, but then also the Lord, he reveals himself and uses each of us in a unique, specific way. And so Peter, he gets reinstated. In fact, Jesus tells him this this wild thing that I'm still wrestling with in a good way. Um, Jesus tells Peter how he's gonna die in a way that will glorify the Lord. And so after Peter's life of denial and getting reinstated, then Jesus is like, but this is what you're following me into, and it's so worth it. It's so worth dying. It's so worth dying to yourself and glorifying 
And so Peter's, I, I don't blame Peter for being like, well, what about him? Is he going to have to do the same thing? Um, and we must be careful to distinguish between other people's stories in our own, be, be, uh, between other people's callings in our own. Paul has a thorn. Peter denied. But those are their stories, and not every believer will have a thorn. Not everyone will deny, but we'll learn from the stories of our fathers and our mothers and our sisters and our brothers. So Lord, rid us of comparison and replace it with a spurring on of one another where iron sharpens iron and we outdo one another in showing honor. Competition becomes holy when it's no longer about yourself. When it's about sharpening each other and spurring on each other, when it's about celebrating these gifts that I didn't even have context for that's going to bring the kingdom in a way that I don't even know about yet. And so Saints Hill tonight, this is you. You guys have these things in you. You have callings of your life. Again, just like so moved by that word about dead callings and dead dreams. Um, And something that the Lord has taught me so powerfully in my life is that whatever dies in the kingdom gets resurrected in glory. And so if you have a calling that is dying, if you have something that is dying, that means the Lord is going to resurrect it. If he's spoken it over you and you feel like you're not seeing it, it's because he is resurrecting it, he's purifying it. And we're in a season of purification right now. We're in a season of being repurposed for something. We're getting a new lens for what revival is. There's no room for anything that's stale. There's no room for anything that is built on our own metrics of how we should operate. We are dying to ourselves. We're going where the Lord is following us, where the Lord is leading us. And sometimes that might not be where you want to go. Sometimes it's a place where it hurts to be reinstated and recalled and um, recommissioned. Sacrifice is no longer what you do, but it's who you are. Sacrifice is when, like, Old Testament the answer for your sin was to sacrifice something. So an action met with an action. New covenant is that, no, 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 Jesus is the sacrifice once and for all, so you don't have to sacrifice any longer, but you are a sacrifice with your life. Your life doesn't belong to you anymore. It belongs to the Lord. So what kind of death can we glorify God with? Did you know martyrdom expanded the early church? I'm not talking about physical death tonight, but I am talking about those things that need to die in us so that the kingdom can take root and break forth. Peter's idea of the kingdom of God and his role in that died. And when he dove in the water and was reinstated by Jesus, re-rooted in his love, it was resurrected and he was told to go and wait for the Holy Spirit. And the church broke out after that. Romans 12, one through two. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Lay your lives down when it doesn't make sense for the Lord because he's rewriting the metrics that we're living by. Mistakes don't define you. Shame can no longer lie you into hiding. And then at the end, I love the verse that says, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. He did more than we even know.
He's going to do more than we even know. So lastly, just a commission and an exhortation to you. Feed his sheep. If you're not, why? Go and tell him how much he loves you. Even tonight as we end and um, worship team, you can come on up. Um, so many of you are the only ones who know Jesus in the context that you're in. And that can be the hardest. We've seen crazy stuff in here, right? We've seen the Lord move in ways that are like we've been talking about. But there are other places outside that have no context for the kingdom of God, that have no understanding of who Jesus is. And I was thinking about that, that like saying where it's like sometimes you're the only book or the only Bible people will read or like you're the only Jesus people will see. The good news is, is that Jesus is Jesus and his spirit lives inside of you. After, uh, after Jesus reinstates Peter, um, it's the first time Peter doesn't like immediately act. He goes and waits for the Holy Spirit in the upper room with all the rest of them. And like all those times that Peter uh, couldn't do what Jesus was calling him to do before, every time he missed like his understanding of the kingdom, it was also in a time where the Holy Spirit wasn't there yet. Jesus left because the Holy Spirit was going to come. He says that in the scriptures of I'm leaving and I'm, the Father's going to give you um, someone better than me. And it's his spirit inside of us. And so when the disciples go and wait on the Holy Spirit, they go from disciples to apostles. That's the one time I see in scripture where at the end of John, they're referred to as disciples, and after that, they're apostles, carriers of the kingdom. So carry his kingdom into the places that you're called to right now. And then lastly, just to finish, um, love people like you've known them all their lives. Love Jesus, and then feed his people. Love them like you see their end result, just like Jesus saw Peter's end result. Get prophetic insight from Christ and pray, speak, and believe it for their lives. Bring them the bread of life. Feed his sheep. Um, we have a couple words to end the gathering. And um, like I mentioned earlier, one that I really would love if any of you um, have that kind of tricky self-deprecation, where it's after you do something, there's an immediate kickback of like, did I do it well enough? Or am I good enough to actually tell this person about Jesus? There's like a, a little thing that I was told a while ago of excellence gives us platform for his witness, which is a beautiful truth if you have a right understanding of excellence. Um, but for those of you who need your minds renewed in regard to excellence, where if it's not perfect, you shouldn't do it um, in regard to the gospel and just a, a calling for, um, yeah, just getting a redirected vision of excellence in his kingdom that's not based on us, um, you can come forward. Thanks for listening. And if we can do anything to help you, or if you want to stay in the loop with what is going on in and around the church, you can follow us on Instagram, download the Saints Hill app in the app store, or visit our website, saintshill.church. And the yoke is so much easier when I'm found